How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. The following is a paid program. The views or claims made are not necessarily those of WILK staff, management, or sponsors. Time for Laurie and Lynn. Local talk to start your weekend right. And now, Laurie and Lynn on WILK. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm uh, feeling a little congested, but other than that, I think I'm doing fine. Good. Well, me too. So good. <laughs> the good when you said doing fine was the good, not the congestive. Yes. Part. <laughs> yes. So, how was your birthday? My birthday was very nice. Very, very nice. Did you have wonderful <clears throat> presents and things like that? I did, and um, it was quiet. You know, quiet because the weekend was so crazy, busy from Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then yet the day, that next day was my birthday. So, and I was like, for whatever reason, just things, it was a good day because I was able to like do some, um, uh, some work that I hadn't done and get some deals going. And I was a good, so some product, good productivity that morning and help out. I had to kind of took care of two things that I was working on um, uh, from a non-work issue element and that worked out nicely. So that was, I was able to take care of that. And then I went out and went to lunch and um, then I went out to dinner. Well, I really didn't eat lunch, but I met Meyer for a little bit. And then I went out to dinner with Randy and Deb and John Peterson because Meyer was bowling and he had been off the week, two weeks prior to that Mm -hmm. because he was in Florida and he needed to make sure he had everybody ready. He's um, doing the Friendship House golf tournament, which happens every year in February and it'll be this February 23rd at um, Southside Lanes. And so Meyer tournament. Did I say golf? I say that all the time. (laughs) Bowling tournament. Bowling. I always say that. Oh, I was going to say in February, where are you going? I pretend he's 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 golfing instead of bowling. Okay, Um, but anyway, (laughs) I love it. See, it's just automatic. It just happens. And um, so, but we had a good time, and so we'll make up for it. Um, So, tell me about your trip on Saturday. Oh, Saturday we the boy. We went to see the boy. We went to Yale, Uh and we had dinner at this great restaurant that we go to, and it was very very nice. He was able to get a gluten free cake from a local bakery, Uh where he gets his gluten free stuff, and um, it was very nice. And it was beautiful little cake, and we mm-hmm. had fun. We had six of us: my sister and Faith, Eddie D'Agostino, Meyer, Sean, and yours truly. And nice. we had a nice little dinner and um, had a great time. So it was a six-hour ride, both you know, three hours up, three hours back. We didn't yeah. leave till one thirty. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got home. I don't know, eleven thirty or twelve, somewhere around there. But it was nice. It was a, it was great a good time. day. 
beautiful day yeah. and Sean was happy to be to see us and be there and um what kind of digs does of course, he have there well he's in the new dorms the new law school dorms mm -hmm. so it's a uh, they have a common kitchen, bath, and living, and then they each have their own room, mm -hmm. and it's brand new, so it's That's very, great. very nice. Um, but we didn't go in. He met us. He met us outside, and but we had really had a wonderful time. And he gave me this, uh, of course, so cute. He gives me a Duncan card because, of course, I, <laughs> you know, so it's like giving me gold. And he That's gave me the such a pretty card um it was a crown with like actual jewels uh -huh. on it and a and a wand with a uh, star and it said birthday queen and then at the inside it said long may she reign perfect which i loved and he wrote and he writes this so pretty little he said my dear mom um you will always be our queen oh that's sweet and then i said boy did i raise that boy right you that's know very and nice. then tommy gave me this card that came a day before my birthday and he had must have taken a photo did i show it to you no. when we were there mm -hmm. he must have taken well he did oh he you was did. in of the house of the house yes. and then he had it put into a, a card mm -hmm. and <clears throat> then he wrote on the back and he draws a little heart next to his name because i always sign my name and i always put mommy i just do and next to it i always fill in a little red heart uh-huh so tommy always does like an open an open heart in pen next to his name for and it's just sweet and he's and so when i was talking to him he said mom i thought maybe you could frame it i and i so i know like i love it because he put thought into doing it ahead of time he knew that's why he was doing it mm -hmm. he got it to me on time and um yeah i said tommy that's exactly what i'm going to do is frame it because the picture is it was at dusk when he took it so mm -hmm. you could see the lights on in the house and around the door for because it was christmas time and it just looks so pretty and then the bare trees it mm -hmm. just looks so pretty so and it's what, just what i love that my house, website so. that you said he went i think to he said felt.com i i don't know i thought he okay. said f-e-l-t okay um because that's really a neat thing it I really is that. it was it, it you could you know what like I said, I knew he put the time and the effort and the thought into it. It wasn't just okay. I'm gonna. He he knew what to. He knew to do it, and he knew that it would be like a little piece of art for me. So mm -hmm. that's what we did. He that's did. Nice. So I was very happy with that, and so we had a, a good time. And then Friday night, you and I and Saray McAndrew went to see Kasha Davis perform at Posh, which we talked about last time, and. Um, that was a uh, lot of yeah, oh yeah that's yeah what we Kasha talk Davis about. Mm -hmm. we talked about we said we were going to see it mm -hmm. um, but what'd you think I thought it was great I've never seen him perform before but you've always talked about him and said that he's done so many benefit performances for different organizations mm -hmm. and whatever and whenever it was it was just not a, a place or a time that I could go so when I saw this in the newspaper I think it was it was not very well advertised at all I just happened to see it in some little snippet somewhere, and I thought, oh, this could be the chance I could see this guy. And I thought that he was extremely funny. He's a great comedian. He really is. I mean, well, he's she, while she's well, performing, she but yes. is a very entertaining comedian. Yes. And um, I was not prepared for that. I didn't realize that she would be that funny. Yeah. I thought it was just going to be some kind of skits or whatever. But I was really impressed. I thought she did a great job. Mm -hmm. And then when she became he and he came back out, um, 
and and talk to everybody in the audience i thought some of the stories that he mentioned about his reconciliation with his father right were just so moving really moving and he said he he it, there's always time for a cocktail he didn't have the ending and now he it was the ending because he made you know reconciled with his dad his dad had seen his performance when he did something for broadway theater yes. and um then after he passed a few months after and then he found that box with the information in it about the, p the picture of of his dad with he in his costume as Kasha, and how proud he was of his of his mm -hmm. son, and to see that afterwards had to be such a, I mean, I didn't even I've met him mm -hmm. as Ed, but mm -hmm. I didn't even when he started to walk in, I didn't think it was him. Did you at first? I thought it was well, someone in the know. audience just coming. Oh, in. you mean no? When, when he, he first started back. walking in as himself. Yes. I did too. I, I didn't thought even, it was just somebody coming back from a restaurant right, stop. Or so something. did I. So I was. So that was kind of a neat. I was surprised at that, and it was yeah. a neat way to end it. And uh, but it was a packed house. It was. Joanne Arduino was thrilled. Yes, I'm sure. And uh, speaking of that too, we need to um, let Joanne and her family know. Joanne's jo Arduino. Do Joanne Doherty Arduino's dad passed away at Hospice oh, of the Sacred Heart. I didn't realize. Yes, that was it her just dad. happened. Yes, yesterday. So. Um, uh, just our thoughts and prayers are with uh, Joanne and her family, and Kelly and her her and Joanne's uh, half sister Kelly Doherty. They're wonderful people, and um, just it's. Uh, but anyway, um, so she went through this all this stuff as well as trying to be upbeat for this event. Mm -hmm. um, so, but it was I think Joanne was very happy with everything and how it worked out. And I also think we should give a little nod to the restaurant Posh because um, we both ended up having a Cobb salad, mm -hmm. which was absolutely perfect. Yes. You know, I mean, I. Prior to going up yes, there and then, yeah, it I was, was just in was the light mood and for it was. That. Yes. And, and you I'm, had said that. And I'm glad they had that as an option. You know, mm -hmm. most restaurants you go to, they, it's a full dinner thing. But this was just perfect. Worked out really well. And that's what I like about that place because you can get a full dinner, which we've had plenty of times with meat and potatoes and vegetables and whatever. But this was just, you know, to have that option was nice. Yeah. So it worked out perfectly. And uh, then good. the night, yeah, they did a great job. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yay. And then... Um, Sunday, of course, was the Super Bowl, mm -hmm. and we were at your lake house, which in my event. happy chair, I loved it. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the Rams lost. Well, yeah. Mm -hmm. But what are we going to do? Nothing. We just got to grin and bear it. <laughs> so. Maybe next year. <laughs> The Patriots Maybe won't be year. in it. Right. <laughs> hey, Gronk was on Jimmy Fallon last night. Oh, was he? Yeah. Uh huh. Did he say anything of any significance? Yeah, he actually wasn't bad. I mean, I, I, he played a game with um, Fallon prior to coming out to being interviewed. But Fallon was saying, "Oh, you know, do, are you going to retire?" And he said, "Oh, I'm, I'm not. You know, this we're all on a high now, so I'm not going to make those decisions." He said, "Well, I heard that there's possibility that you could be the next action." Uh, uh, movie star, you know, like like um, what's his name, Dwayne Johnson, and yes. what's his name, the other guy, um, John Saint Cena. He said, yes. "I hear that, you know, you're." And he goes, "Oh, I don't know about that," but he was good. He did a good job um, with Jimmy. I have to say, 
Well, that's good. I mean, but he was talking about Tom Brady's daughter. Is in like Tom said, Gronk. She has a crush on you, and oh. he goes, "Well, that's okay. I have a nephew, you know." And and I guess the little girl, Tom Brady's little girl, calls him Gronky. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> Which is cute. That's so cute. anyway, it was a good interview. So that's good. He well, brought the trophy with him oh, and let he? Jimmy hold it. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so, what is that? The Vince Lombardi Trophy? That's yeah. what it is, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, what That's are you going to do? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It should just so, probably be put in steel and put up in the Gillette Stadium since that's where it always it all happens. Up. Yeah, there you go. Well, I'm okay. not a fan, as you know. I know, but not a they fan. played. Everybody was, it was, one thing that is for sure is it is boring when it's a defensive game. Oh, Boring uh, as all get A real out. snooze. Oh, my God. And because of that, I have to say, because it was such a snoozer of a game, I found myself getting up and going, doing other things, and I missed so many of those commercials. Yeah, well, I didn't. I was right. I, that's why even when, when I didn't get up till halftime to make the salad because yeah. I thought I want to see every commercial, which I have my favorites. Of course, we like the Peanuts one, yes. the Peanut Planters Peanut. Yes. We liked um, the Stella Artois. Yes. We like the one, um, uh, the um, just, Justin, what's his name? Jason Bateman or whatever mm-hmm. his name is. Is that In his the name? The Elevator. And the Elevator. Yes. That, that thing that was a Hyundai commercial. Yeah. We like the traditional Budweiser yes. with the Dalmatian and the windmills and the yes. horses. And what yes. other one? There was and one. The most famous one for you is Michael Buble with the Buble. Well, that Buble. I loved. And I also <laughs> loved the NFL one with all those players. Oh, and they that, were was the ball. <laughs> that, that was, was great. That was great. Some of them, you know, they were stupid but those i thought were really they well were done. some of the best yes. so we were happy with that but, but there was anyway a, there, there was a whole story this morning i don't know if you saw that in the newspaper about that one that bud light did about the corn oil and that they don't use corn oil anymore yeah all kinds of ruckus because all the other ones coors light and everybody else does and apparently they use the corn for some part of the process of making the beer and the guy who was the um vice president of marketing or whatever for one of those competitors was really watching the game and was taken aback by the fact that they actually mentioned them by name that it was one of those commercials where you're you know applauding yourself for not using corn oil and yet the and mentioned all the others by name it was a weird commercial i don't know if you saw it i don't remember i don't remember it either but apparently it caused a lot of stir so anyway i kind of remember the corn thing but i don't i do remember it but i didn't pay that was a little boring because it was like too much chemistry for me and i wasn't interested Great. So on that note, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening this morning to the Laurie and Lynn show. We'll be right back. Here's Laurie and Lynn. So we're back. Um, My name is Lynn Evans. I am the uh, executive director (laughs) and the managing director of a company called Women of Substance, LLC, which is a financial planning firm designed specifically for the financial planning needs of baby boomer women. I'm also the host of a podcast called Power of the Purse, and it's available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. I'm Laurie Cadden, the owner of Laurie Cadden Enterprises, which is a fundraising PR and special event business. Two things I wanted to talk about. A couple weeks ago, we had conversations about both of these topics. And the one in particular you mentioned about people going back to work 
or staying at work until uh, past the age of 65 mm -hmm. and how um, so many people are realizing that older workers bring so much to the table that it's not necessarily you put them out to pasture well I thought this was an interesting story an article that was in a really neat place it's a website called new for us I think if I got that right new for me anyway um, this is about uh, overcoming unconscious age bias in recruiting and how people who are on that end of it don't realize that they are really snubbing people because of all their <laughs> experience and I, I think it's it's really amazing how you don't there's there's a picture in this article first thing you look at which is a picture of Millennials all gathered around computers and the subtitle says not a diverse picture and that's that's true so just two weeks ago Wall Street Journal published an in-depth article about a class action lawsuit against PricewaterhouseCoopers in which the plaintiff who's 40 plus alleges he was denied employment due to systemic discrimination against older applicants for accounting positions and as the acronym is PWC prides itself on a youthful culture primarily hiring entry-level accountants through campus recruiting and at the time of the lawsuit filing was not posting entry-level accountant positions on its career website what's more is that PWC requires partners to retire by age 60 thus perpetuating the perception of an ageist organization I want to say that when I was an employee of what was then Perenni Randolph, which has gone through so many different permutations now as I forget what its current name is, but it's an international organization. That was also true for all of the partners. When they were 65, they, it was mandatory that they, heart, they had to start selling their stock back to the company and be fully retired by 70. I think that's crazy <coughs> but uh, the more we look at this the more I understand that that is not necessarily the way the world is going Facebook was also in the news recently as the focus of an age discrimination class action lawsuit on behalf of the labor union communication workers of America according to the New York Times article CWA alleges the companies used Facebook's paid advertising platform to target younger age groups and hide job ads and opportunities from older workers nationally. Ironically, the lawsuit was filed just days after the 50th anniversary of the passing of the Age Discrimination in Employment Act, which prohibits age discrimination nationwide. In, the, in light of the heightened awareness of potential age discrimination by job seekers over age 60, it's, critical, it's crucial as a recruiter <laughs> to explore unconscious age bias. And the guy who wrote this is um, a person, I guess it's a woman maybe, named Ashley Mercier could be male or female um, it's crucial as a recruiter to explore unconscious age bias and this person said I'll be the first to admit that as a hiring manager in previous jobs I was often evaluating resumes for <coughs> candidates with much more experience than the position called for 
I would find myself confused as to why the recruiter would send me these resumes, thinking things like, why would someone with 20 years of professional experience want an entry-level advertising role? And they're absolutely going to ask for a way higher salary than what we have approved. What I didn't know until after going through a very thorough employment law training a year ago is that I had been operating with unconscious age bias, which, unbeknownst to me at the time, could potentially be a slippery legal slope when it comes to candidates age 40 plus. And this, this I love. Um, just how does a recruiter or hiring manager begin to explore and undo that? I certainly don't purport to know all the answers, so I turned to the woman who usually does. My mother, Lori Bitter, B-I-T-T-E-R. She also happens to be president of The Business of Aging and a leading expert on the baby boomer generation, a boomer herself. So I asked her why a hiring manager cons should consider a candidate aged 40 plus for roles they seem overqualified for on paper. The main benefit of hiring a baby boomer is that you'll get someone with a ton of experience, both professionally and personally. We have tried things, failed at things, picked ourselves up and have had to rethink what matters. We have a natural resilience. It's our superpower. For example, if a company has layoffs and is asking employees to adapt or do more with less, Boomers are generally okay with this, whereas younger employees might have a tough time working longer hours or adding time onto their commute, especially if they have young children. This is not a criticism at all. Rather, the younger demographic hasn't experienced change as much and is still learning adaptation skills. She goes on to note, we are at a point in our life where failure is not fatal. We are willing to try things outside of our comfort zone, like an assignment that is daunting or a role in a completely different industry than where we started, as risk is assessed differently with added life experience. According to this woman, a 40-plus-year-old candidate is also innately suited for roles in sales and customer service, as this demographic prefers... Where did I stop my head in here? a face-to-face -face communication over the phone, over phone texting and social media. This could be better for a company's bottom line, too. Found that 82% of people report in-person contact, meetings, lunches, collaboration, as more valuable than any form of online networking. What's more is that an older team member can quickly become a go-to and mentor for more junior counterparts, potentially freeing up more time for managers to be less involved in the day-to-day. -day. There's a wealth of information and studies on the 40-plus job candidate, so aside from educating yourself, take some time to consider changes to these aspects of your recruiting duties. Love it. So it definitely corroborates everything you said a couple weeks ago there's much more to the baby boomer than just give them the gold watch and the retirement party and get them out so the younger people can come in and i think i think that that you know we we love the fact that these young kids and millennials and such who know how to they're experts on the computer and the social media end of things but 
and the, and I'm not again I think it's great I'm just saying that I hope there's not that segment that and people are talking about it where the skills the one-on-one -on -one, the ability to converse the ability to have um, build relationships through speaking to somebody is so crucial and people still look for it and long for it and because the baby boomer population is so huge and are a great are great consumers they want that more mm -hmm. i mean yes i love nothing more than sitting on my phone and picking up and ordering it because i have this and i order something and it goes through but but when i want something i want to have a real person talk to me and it's it it's it's so much better to me than to have someone yeah. on the other on the other line i think some of the points that she mentioned about what skills we have as baby boomers um is it's truly uh, it, it transcends not just in the work environment but in our lives you know it's the kind of thing where when you're in your 20s and 30s you're so worried about making the right impression and and you know moving in the, when do I leave and when do I supposed to go to the next challenging job and how many years should I have on my resume does it look good if I have 10 years or four years we don't care Frankly, we don't care because mm -hmm. we're at a point where we've already been through all that. Right. Right. And we know what our skills are. We know our ability to, um, I, I would say, not transfuse, I can't think of the word, diffuse a lot of very difficult situations that have to do with personnel because people get very snarly about things. It's almost like as parents, you can sit down with the kids and figure out what the problem is and get them straightened out. But that's the other thing about personnel now. We, uh, yeah. A friend of mine who did PR for a while, she said she would never want to do it, go like get a job, and, and is still young enough to continue to do what she's doing, but would never want to do it now. Because the differences now are unbelievable when you think about it. You said PR, you mean HR? HR, yeah, I mean. Okay. Excuse me. Yeah. It's unbelievable what you have to oh, be know. concerned with, what you're hearing, the complaints, the, what the you issues, can't say. The, what you can't say, what you shouldn't say. I mean, it's... It's tough because I think back, I mean, I was with my friend Mary Jean Dixon yesterday. We went out for the day and she and I worked at Third National Bank. I was 19 years old when I started. She's a couple years older than me and she's been there a long, she was there, she retired out of Wells Fargo. Mm -hmm. And I think to myself, what the stuff we did years ago and said, I mean, as women, we, yeah. you know, it, it's just, it, and we had so much fun, mm -hmm. you know, and I think, oh, wow, that would be, be a different story right now. Oh, yeah. It's scary. It is. So these kids are coming up in a, in a now with totally different ideas of, of those things than what we, than what we did. Yep. I mean, just like any generation, uh, yeah. any other generation, but it's, it's, it's hard. Well, then you think of people like my husband who completely oh, blew it out of the water. <laughs> Well, we were talking about that too, right? That was yes, we were. You said, Pat, you would be in big trouble today. Oh man, and he was in trouble anyway. But I mean, just <laughs> totally, totally uh, untolerated in, in that situation. If it occurred today, he'd be packed up and out the door in uh -huh. five minutes. Uh -huh. But you know, it's part of that generation where. Um, that kind of, uh, I think it's a kind of like a machismo thing, you know, 
guys did that and and they were comfortable doing that and sharing as a way of bonding with each other but you can't get away with that now you just cannot say some of the things or do some of the things that he did and we're not getting into it folks i'm sorry i'm not gonna go into all that to tell you what he did well yes (laughs) but i mean it's uh but his was all it's like, verbal. Yeah, and it was he, it was meant in the in very sweet ways, but the way he how it came out, no one would. It was crazy, crazy. That's him. Oh God, love him. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I always said, what did I say about Pat? Though, whenever you're in a bad mood, you sh- you want to be around him because he makes you feel good. So he does. And that's all it was was nice things, but that can be completely misconstrued. Absolutely. Now, so that's what we're Absolutely. at. Because I don't want anyone getting the picture painted of Pat that it was terrible. It was kind, loving things, but it would never be and accepted. funny and but funny. He, but no, you can't do? do it now. Anyway, all right. Well, we're going to um, leave for this segment, and we will be back with Attorney Barbara J. O'Hara as our guest expert. So stay tuned. Listen up, please, and uh, stay with us. You're listening to Laurie and Lynn Show. We'll be right back. Here's Laurie and Lynn. Well, we're back. My name is Lynn Evans. I am the managing director of a company called Women of Substance, LLC, which is a financial planning firm specifically for the financial planning needs of baby boomer women. I'm also the host of a podcast called Power of the Purse that's available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. And I'm Laurie Cadden, the owner of Laurie Cadden Enterprises, which is a fundraising PR and special event business. And our guest expert this morning is attorney Barbara J. O'Hara, who is a partner with Hughes, Nichols, and O'Hara at 1421 East Drinker Street in Dunmore. Barbara has been practicing family law for 38 years, so no one knows more than our Barbara, as far as we're concerned. <laughs> That's so gracious of you to Hi, say, Barbara. not true, but... <laughs> but um, so the topic I wanted to talk about today was why do people stay in bad marriages? And I, I know that um, my hosts certainly ha- have um, a lot of life experience in looking at things like that. But I wanted to tell you professionally what I see of why people stay. Because I'll do consultations with people who are obviously unhappy. And some people choose to go forward with a divorce and some people choose not to. And I think... I, I've seen a couple different trends and categories in this. So some people, I think, stay in a bad relationship out of fear. They're, um, they might be in an emotionally abusive relationship or a physically abusive relationship where they look at this and say, well, he's, he said I'll never make it on my own. And unfortunately, I think that that means that a lot of times you find somebody who might otherwise have a lot of self-confidence, but when it comes to something like this, they've been demoralized and they don't have the self-confidence to, to walk away. And you look at this and say, my goodness, you know, if, if, you've, if you're getting beaten or something like that, why is it you don't? Well, I think there's a lot of good reasons for why is it you don't because you you could look at a friend or a cousin or a sister or whatever and say boy they're in a horrible relationship why don't they just walk away and i think there's there's a lot of good reasons for why they're staying or there's a lot of of logical reasons for why they're staying but really when it comes down to it I, i think sometimes in talking to women you look at this and say okay fine what what's the source of your fear 
And some of them look at this and say, I don't think I can do it on my own. And then you talk about that rationally rather than, than emotionally and say, okay, can you do it on your own? Financially, can you do it on your own? And sometimes, and it's been a rewarding part of my practice of saying, yes, you can do this on your own. And, you know, it's, it, it's nice because then you kind of empower the person to, to be able to do it. They're very unhappy. They've kind of, you know, been going the last several years in a bad relationship. And they're, they look at you and say, well, I'd like to get out, but he told me I can't. Or mm-hmm. he told me I'll never be able to afford things. And then you start talking about money and what you expect that they'll, that they'll get in both child support, spousal support, and equitable distribution. And sometimes that turns around. So that's a nice thing. And I want to say, Barbara, too, that in what I've been dealing with, I think that exactly what you talked about, that when you talk to these women about what kind of uh, available resources there are for them, it's an eye-opener because they have never had a conversation about money before. And it's always been assumed, as, you know, I've been talking about for years, that the husband is the one pretty much manages the the big stuff you know women may be able to get a little bit of money on a regular basis to take care of the household bills food shopping that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. but when it comes to investments 401k plans all that most women are clueless so when you take the time to sit down with them and explain under the equitable distribution what they would have it's an eye-opener to so many of them because they had no clue right and Unfortunately, some people are living in relationships where their spouse will say to them, you're not getting any of my pension. You're not getting yeah. it, and I won't give it to you. Well, it's really then up to the courts. If you can't negotiate, obviously it'll go to the mm-hmm. court system. And then it's not a matter of, you know, the, the spouse who says, oh, you're not getting any of my stuff. Well, you know, the, the divorce law is very different, and yeah. it's not a matter of, because I'll hear a couple times a month, well, he said I wouldn't be able to get that. Well, that's not <laughs> true. And yes. you have to look at this and say, okay, what will the law give you, not what mm-hmm. will your husband agree to, to give you voluntarily? So I, I see that. I mean, some people, even in a bad relationship, you can talk things out, and they decide to stay because they like the lifestyle. Um, you know, let's say... For an example, I can think of a couple instances where the women knew that their husbands were cheating, but, you know, when you talk about, okay, fine, and now you'll divorce, they, they basically have made, made a decision that, okay, fine, I'm all right right here, and they don't really want to disrupt that. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's, it's for reasons of, I don't want to disrupt my kids. I don't want to, to uh, you know, this is going to ha- have a bad effect on my kids who already have some some problems. And you know what? That's that's a choice you're making. And sometimes it's it's done for for very good reasons of you know uh, we have kids with with problems. And you know if if we further disrupt those kids with problems, uh, how how is that going to impact them? And better to have. A, a seemingly intact family rather than divided parents. And, you know, well, I, Barbara, what, I understand to what that. degree? Yeah, I get it too. I mean, I understand the logic behind it, but then I think about 
to what degree does that um, looking the other way thing uh, from the wife really impact uh, the children's perception on another level of the fact that things aren't good between mom and dad? They know that. They instinctively know that there's something wrong here. Sure. So is that something that um, is... It, it, I, you know, I'm just trying to figure out where does that play into this. Should well, this be something my, that they don't ignore, that they should ignore, or they should not ignore? Well, you know what? When you ignore it, what are you teaching your child? That's exactly. That's what <laughs> a, a woman has to accept, or mm-hmm. that's how a man acts. And yep. I, I get concerned about that because you see children pattern their own parents' behavior. And exactly. the problems in their parents' marriage end up being the problems in theirs because they were taught it's okay to cheat on your wife. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, uh, that's, that's a real hard thing. And I've, I've seen women that, that will say, hey, I don't want my son to model that kind of behavior. And I think yeah. that that's a very, very valid point. And a reason to say, hey, I'm not going to tolerate that and I'm going to walk away. So, And I think that's the, the point I was making about that was that the wife could choose to look the other way and pretend that this isn't really happening. But And her lifestyle is such that she wants to keep that and she wants her kids to stay in that world. But to what degree is she actually um, telling her children you know, that it's okay to live like this. Yeah. And that's what we just said. So, I mean, at what point do you say to yourself as the wife, um, I think it's time for me to get out of this and, and live uh, what I might consider to be an authentic life rather right. than the one that I'm pretending is here? It, well, usually I, it comes right after a crisis, you know, where yeah. there's been yeah. a big blow up or there's a big fight in front of the kids or mm-hmm. the physical abuse that she's tolerated now becomes physical abuse of a child. And that's yeah. when I'll see them because it's, hey, you know, it's bad enough that he hit me, but now that he's hitting the children, I'm not going to stay there. And mm-hmm. um, you have a very valid point that you are teaching children how to behave. I mean, everything you do in life teaches you, your, your children right. how to behave. And they either accept it <coughs> Or choose to go the other way and uh, more often than not I think the studies show that that kids will model their parents behavior yeah you know what the other thing is too um, is that there's that old line in psychology that says you know um, until the the pain of being in it becomes greater than the fear of being without it you make a decision because trust me, out of all three of us, I had to make that decision with two children, and mm-hmm. it was not an easy one. And I don't, I don't envy anyone who has to make it because it's it's you keep your fingers crossed, your toes, and anything else you can that you made the right decision. And as they grow, you just keep helping. And I think consistency with their lifestyle helps. In, in everything you do with the child. So um, it's That's not a really easy decision point. on a woman for them to make it because they do think they're making the best decision if they stay. The best thing I can say is if you choose to, is to try to keep it away and to make a child's life as consistent as possible because that's what helps in the long run, knowing full-handed now, firsthand now what, what it was like. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. No, I think so that's it's very good. Hard. It's a big, major decision. So. Okay. Yep. Was there another one, Barbara? Another yeah. one in your list? <laughs> yeah, actually, I, I find some people stay just out of inertia. Um, there you go. It will oh, be yeah. very, very, very tough to leave. And what am I going to have to do? And they'll look at you and say, oh, my goodness, I'm going to have to, what, sell the house? I can't afford a mortgage. And, and then I had a lady tell me last week, well, I, I have so much stuff for the last 30 years. Are you telling me I have to sell the house? <laughs> and I'm not telling you anything, but that's the, that's the reality of it. So um, uh-huh. I, I know that sounds comical, but, uh, hey, all of us make make life choices based on on some things, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's just that boy that'll be hard. So I think I'm going to stay. <laughs> <laughs> but also, um, not that's not the only reason. But I mean, there's a certain amount of comfort in, in the familiar, and you look yeah. at this and and do the Dear Abby test of you know am I better better with them or without them, and mm-hmm. you, you know you 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 weigh all of those kind of things, and. Um, and I think, too, that that comment you just made about one of the reasons, the inertia, uh, you find more of that as people have been in marriages longer. Mm-hmm. So, you and know, the 30 year. To, uh, yeah, they know, just. Not much of a relationship. Just, we go our own separate ways. Exactly. And they've made their own lives. But when it comes time for holidays and other things, they're back together again and acting like a family. But then for the rest of the year, you know, they live their own lives. They even vacation with others. They they do things like that. But Mm -hmm. I think the the older you are and the more years you've been in the marriage, that the more that inertia plays into that decision. Yes. Yeah. And it's what I see is it's usually not until a crisis that that they choose to do something so, yeah. well and that makes yeah. sense the longer you're in it because then you don't have those other issues like child care and child rearing and all those things are beyond True. you so True. They're, they're gone. it's like a partnership and anything you do like your business partnership some people hate their business partner but they think oh god i don't want to have to get new letterhead i don't want to have yeah. to get- <laughs> That's true. And, and yeah. you know, people put up with things until they can't. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. So, Barbara, tell everybody how they can get in touch with you. I'm, um, my office is located at 1421 East Drinker Street, Dunmore, Pennsylvania. I can be reached at 570-344-7171. I practice in Lackawanna, Luzerne, Susquehanna, Wayne, and Wyoming. And um, I'm here every day. <laughs> and as we said before, she knows more than anybody. And you know oh. what, Barb? You you didn't say it, but we can say it, right, Lynn? Uh, yep. Yeah, there you, you go. <laughs> Thank you I, for I'm that, Jennifer. We're 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 pushing we're pushing our friend here because it's she knows <laughs> she knows the answer. So, Barbara, thank, thank you, you for thank um, you. for your uh, support. We hope you have a good weekend, everybody else out there. Thanks for listening. Have a good weekend. We'll see you next week. Be safe and please be nice.
Bye. 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 Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.